This episode is brought to you by the Hammerhead Karu 2. See your data clearly with a high-res, full-color, smartphone-like screen. The touchscreen display is beautiful and responsive and gives you on-the-go flexibility. It's even water and scratch resistant. I'll be upfront here. It's a bit of a clickbaity title, so just to be clear, I coach one rider at pro level, the level under the world tour. This rider, Jay Vine, won the Zwift Academy, and as his longtime coach, we continued to work together where he rode both pro and world tour races, including a grand tour, La Vuelta España. It's been a hard but rewarding year, and I've learned a lot about myself and the pro cycling world. So I'm here to share with you the lessons that I'll take away from this year, and hopefully you'll also be able to take some of these lessons and apply them to your cycling. Yo-ho, and welcome back to Ride Better Faster, a show about cycling training and racing. I'm Damien Roos. Today, we're going to take a look at the lessons I've learned from a year at the top level of the sport. Also, on the radar is a collection of amazingly useful technology and products you never knew existed. One of my coaching philosophies is to match the rider's effort, meaning whatever the rider puts into their cycling, their training, their racing, I, as their coach, am doing them a disservice if I don't put in the equivalent amount of work. No, I'm not talking about 25 hours of riding every week. I'm talking about an appropriate level of support, thought, and effort. And when one of your riders goes pro, it means a lot of hard work and a progressive learning curve where self-reflection has been my biggest ally in taking this opportunity and leveling up my coaching. In the last two podcast episodes, I shared some of the work that goes into the training prescription and racing preparation But there's more to it than that. Coaching is more than watts and weigh-ins. Coaching is more than the space between the training plan and the finish line. Coaching is a mix of context, culture, research, practice, and exploratory thinking. So I've got six lessons which present the learning and growth opportunities that I've experienced throughout the year and how I plan on using those lessons to get better as we start thinking about next season. So let's dive straight into it with number one, everything the same, everything different. This is an old saying in Zen. In Thailand, you could also use the phrase same, same, but different. And maybe this is a truth that is so obvious, it just goes without saying. But I had a strange realization when I was watching the first race of Jay's season. I was watching a race in the middle of an average Monday in April. It was then that I realized that people actually do this for a job. From the riders and support staff to the race commissaires and the people setting up the roadside barriers. This was the beginning of me seeing cycling in a new way, where I would slowly grasp the idea that yes, It's still cycling and training and racing, but there is an entire world around professional cycling, something I was conscious of, but had never really put myself into it until that moment. So yes, we, as in cyclists, live in a big 
cycling collective, and we are one unified whole. And yet, out of this fundamental sameness, out of pro-cycling pops infinite extravagant differences. On one level, this isn't surprising, but it is eye-opening when you start thinking about all of the people involved and how they live their lives and how their entire lives truly revolve around cycling. And also, you start to understand what lengths people go to to be involved in this world and what lengths people will go to to stay there once they get in. Number two, the coaching style is very different to what I was expecting. Similar to the first lesson, coaching is coaching. And in this case, same writer, same coach, but the time spent doing certain tasks changes. There's a communication increase. So checking in before key workouts and checking in after almost every ride. Planning is very similar, building a calendar of races based on goals, performance modeling and analyzing and then executing, but the plan is more flexible and it needs to be adjusted more often from race changes to late call-ups or crashes. You're making changes to training based on shortened timeframes and you just have to make do with the time that you are given. The biggest difference though is how much as a coach you have to lean on the athlete. Or to put it a better way, the difference is how much more responsible an athlete is for their own performance. There is, of course, other performance staff and sports directors also helping the rider. But let's put it this way. If the coach is not part of the team performance group, then once a race starts, like a stage race or a big block of one-day races, the coach takes a back seat. The team takes control of the rider's role in the race, and the rider takes control of themselves to do their job and prepare for the opportunities that they may get. One thing I learned is definitely outside of races, there are no gains to be made, and it's best not to be greedy either. There are subtle differences here, like the way that you prepare for different types of races and how you maintain a big volume base and sharpen up with interval work over a shorter time frame. And this is probably a whole podcast in itself, but I wouldn't say I approach it differently to how I've always approached training in the past. I just make sure what I'm doing is working. So a small note about coaching to wrap up this lesson. I've learned to ask better questions and use data to back up my questioning. Daily HRV and resting heart rate have been instrumental in managing illness and fatigue, but these metrics are jump off points to talk about the current state of training and the athlete and where they're at. It was early on that I figured out that I needed to ask better questions because if I don't, the answer is always going to be, I'm okay, or yes, I can keep training. Elite athletes have a bias for action. And this is something that I have learned, and I learned very early on in my coaching career, actually long before this year. When you work with motivated people, your job as a coach is to convince the athlete to do less rather than more. The thing I have to remind myself at this level is the rides are so hard, but the capacity and motivation to go hard is more than likely not the limiter. But if you go one day over what the athlete is capable of, physically or mentally, it could mean digging a hole that you can't get out of quickly. And you're never really that far away from danger. So digging into the rider and working out how they're really feeling, how they're really going becomes very important. Number three, it has changed how I watch races. Like, I'm a fan of bike racing. I've been a fan for a long time. 
And I'm not sure if it's our unique culture where you don't really follow a team or even one rider. You have your favorites going into a race, but anything can happen in a bike race. So if you're following along with a specific rider and you lose them to poor form or at worst a crash, you just move on to your next favorite on the list and wait for the finish line. But this year, all of that changed. And I think it's because I've got skin in the game, having a significant stake in the outcome of one rider. Although if I'm not following that rider, I'm trying to watch for efforts. I'm trying to count attack efforts, how long they go for, who's going with them, how much they rest afterwards. But put it this way, when you are following a rider, when you have skin in the game, and I'm not sure if you've ever watched a race from start to finish, knowing the plan and following every move, where even getting in the breakaway can feel like a win, it's an emotional ride. And partly explained because I have an emotional investment in everyone I coach, which is part of being a coach. You take some of the athlete's emotions on board. And the thing that heightened this dynamic is adding live TV, start to finish coverage of races. I found out that I have to pick and choose the days I watch to save myself from burning out, especially when I can't influence the outcome once the race starts. I'm not recommending doing this, and I've actually never put a bet on a race, but it seems that the quickest way to get skin in the game is by placing a bet on a rider, like a really big bet, and then you might get a feeling for how hard it is to watch. Number four, you can't train the racing, or another way to put it, it's nearly impossible to replicate racing in training. It was almost immediate, and I'm talking about the first or second pro race file that got dropped into my Training Peaks account. Like, this was nothing I'd seen before. The power file was so choppy, so up, down, up, down, up, down. It was either 150 watts or 500 watts, and not much in between. Fighting for position in a large peloton is hard, and staying in position is even harder. And coming from some steady-state training, I looked at these jagged lines in front of me and mumbled to myself, there's no way that you can train for this. Well, not in terms of copying the power, what for what. Pro racers just don't have the same predictability. If you add this to the fact that when the intensity goes up, it's so hard, even then you would have trouble replicating it in training. I recently read someone's opinion about the difference between amateurs and pros when it comes to rehearsing competition demands, stating that amateurs tend to spend far too much time at race-specific intensities, whereas the very best spend the vast majority of their training time far below their race intensities. And this makes perfect sense to me. Not least of all, because pros do a lot of volume. Even with the variations between different types of riders and accounting for individualization, pros will outride all but the amateur outliers. And this volume protects pro riders, but it also means that there is some room for specific physiological adaptions to be made at varying intensities. And while I do prescribe simulation rides for familiarization of terrain, mindset, and fatigue, there is no way you can replicate races in intensity, load, or effort. So what else do you do? You maintain volume while mixing in some domain-specific intensities. That's about all you can do. Another part of this is protecting the athlete's longevity in the sport and their overall health. Reducing the intensity at times when hard training is done helps them over the long term. I found out that it's important to pick your battles at this level. Don't expect to be at 100% all the time. It's just not worth it. And it's not possible for too many reasons 
and seasons. And this is also related to overload days. I have to watch how and when I prescribe overload days. If I'm not careful, it can mean more than failing a workout. It can mean getting sick. And missed days are up there as far as the worst response to training there is. I'm not sure about you, but I love cycling tech, especially tech that I know will help my performance. And that's why I'm so pumped that Hammerhead is supporting the show. It gives me a chance to talk about their cool climber feature. The climber feature, which lets you visualize and prepare for upcoming gradient changes in real time. And because the Hammerhead screen is so good, meaning it has all of the colors, and I mean all of the colors, this feature is like nothing else that I've ever seen on a bike computer. But it's not just about looking pretty. When you're at max effort, or even just sweating it out, trying to survive on a climb, your brain does not want to think. But having a large and colorful display of gradient changes makes it easier to stay aware of upcoming elevation changes and then judge your effort accordingly. And for me, that is a performance gain. For a limited time, podcast listeners can get a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with a purchase of a Karoo 2. Visit hammerhead.io right now and use the promo code SEMIPRO, one word, at checkout to get yours today. That's a free Hammerhead heart rate monitor with a purchase of a Karoo 2 when you go to hammerhead.io and use promo code SEMIPRO, one word, only for a limited time. Don't forget to use our special promo code because it supports our show. That's hammerhead.io, promo code SEMIPRO, and get your Karu 2 and a free heart rate monitor today. Number five, the mental game is the game. Elite athletes open up to the public unlike any other humans on the planet. We get to watch them at their most vulnerable and their most courageous. And while we know that not all athletes have positive motivations for why they do things, they expose themselves. And working with elite athletes, you always find areas to work on. Sometimes it's because they've hit a wall, literally and figuratively. Sometimes they come to you with things they notice and wonder how to work on it. And other times the job of a coach is to see blind spots and raise them with the athlete and find a path through or around certain blocks. This is a bit of an aside, but for me, this is probably the trickiest part of coaching because the last thing I want to do is mess with how an athlete performs. But one thing I've definitely learned this year is that the mindset and even the training that got an athlete to where they are is not the same that's going to get them to the next level. In other words, the thing that gets us there is not the same thing that keeps us there. And by the way, this also applies to coaches me included, self-awareness is the starting point to direct our own growth, and we have to keep all of this in mind as well. Number six, professional cycling is not as professional as you think. This might rub some people the wrong way, but for me, it all comes down to logistics and resources. And honestly, I'd like to get an insight into other sports to see what it's like being a top-funded pro sport like Formula One or any top-tier sport in the US. But the reality of the sport and the locations, the team sizes, the equipment numbers, with all of these moving parts, 
things get lost, missed, overlooked, or just plain ignored. The main lesson here is from Stephen Covey, and it's the circle of concern versus the circle of influence, which ultimately comes down to the athlete is in charge of themselves, and the really good pros are the ones that are masters of controlling the controllables and not getting caught up in the uncontrollables. But Covey puts it like this, the circle of concern includes a wide range of concerns you have in the world, your work, your life, your health, family, finances, economy, national debt, etc. Everything you include inside the circle of concern matters to you and everything outside the circle is of little or no concern to you. The challenge with the circle of concern is you start to realize that some of the things you find yourself concerned about are outside of your control and some are inside your realm of control. And this is why it's important to identify with your circle of influence within your circle of concern. Your circle of influence are things that can concern you and that you can do something about. The big part of this is the athlete taking control of their own training and well-being in a team environment. It's even more important because you have to have an understanding of this and hopefully a team culture that sees this as a good thing. The final part of this lesson is to take opportunities when you get them. It's easier said than done, but important to remember and use as a motivator in the build-up to these moments and when you're doing the work when no one is watching. I'll wrap up here with a quick story about finding out about and going through my first World Tour race and Grand Tour, which were the same race, as a coach. When I found out about the Welter, I was pretty excited about having the opportunity to see the files drop into my Training Peaks account. Sounds like a simple thing, but I got daydreaming about the romantic notion of the journey that the ones and the zeros had taken from an idea generated from my information and sources and experience and creative training prescriptions and then ridden by a rider that forged physiological adaptions across varying energy systems, then taking their opportunity and experience to generate power and heart rate data that's recorded as ones and zeros and then transferred across multiple technologies to drop into my Training Peaks account. The funny thing about it was, I'd say even after seeing the first day in Training Peaks, it didn't seem out of place. I knew what I was looking for and I got working on analyzing the files that I needed to and it was just coaching business as usual. And this, in a way, sums up my thoughts and feelings about the year. While it's exciting, and I'm truly honored to be part of this journey, especially with a rider that is humble, hungry, and hardworking. But to be honest, it doesn't feel out of place. It doesn't feel like a massive step up, but rather a natural progression and what I've been building for my entire coaching career so far. I get to use all of my skills and then take some deep dives into performance and I make sure every move is the best possible option. I also get to use my psychology background more and more and I realize that the training is the baseline to get you a seat at the table and it's the mindset and performance on the day that gets you the results. So let's see where this takes us.
It's time, once again, for The Chaser, the segment of the show where I talk about something that's probably unreleased, untested, or has nothing to do with cycling. And this time, nine amazingly useful tech and products that you never knew existed, mostly because half of them don't exist yet. But let's start with number one, rewirefitness.app. Rewire is an app that provides evidence-based solutions for tracking your readiness to perform, building mental resilience, and improving mind-body recovery. It does those in those three sections on the app with three separate purposes. And this is one that I'll probably look into because it's trying to quantify mental recovery, which is something that really, really interests me. Right now, it's on special you can get grandfathered in at 29 bucks a year. So it seems like a bargain and there is a trial. So it's something I will be checking out. Number two, Ghibli Tech and VeloSense. Many have tried and many have failed to deliver. I haven't done a deep dive here, but these are aero sensors and they're promising real-time aerodynamics. Is this what we've been waiting for? Big question mark. And number three, four, five, and six, formbeat, dpack.fit, kudo.coach, breakaway.app, training or analytics platforms, all with slightly different takes on performance analytics. I've got to say, I haven't seen anything groundbreaking, but I love checking these ones out, seeing what they're thinking about. But I have to say, it's a tough market. I know coaches and cycling habits. It's very hard to break them or change them. And it will be hard for any of these to really get into the market at scale, but good luck to them. And certainly, if you're interested, check them out. Number seven, Gravar. Now, Gravar is an interesting one. It's a product. It's a wheel set with a very unique hub that enables you to control tire pressure on the fly. Right now, they have some cross-country wheels and some gravel wheels, and it's all built around this miniature pump that they have in the hub. And... Upon a command to inflate the tire, the clutch engages and it brings the camshaft inside the pump to a halt, and therefore the wheel rotation causes the pistons inside the cylinders to move up and down and consequently build up pressure, then some valves move, and then the force is pressurized and then it goes into the tire directly. Hence, you can adapt your tire pressure endlessly while riding. There's also an app and a handlebar mounted controller to make this easy. You can pre-order the gravel carbon wheel set for 2,367 euros. I'm not sold on it, and I wonder if it's overkill or simply a solution looking for a problem. Number eight is Caliber Bio. Well, they're just calling it Caliber, but they couldn't get the domain. Real-time fitness tracker in a mask. 499 USD pre-order. It uses breath measurement to track real-time metabolics and respiration. It uses a thing called breath allometry. Breath, calorimetry, aka indirect calorimetry. I think I'm saying that right. But the idea is that it measures gas exchange, oxygen intake, and carbon dioxide output, which is then analyzed to determine the amount of energy and type of nutrient fuel used at any given time. They claim to be able to track 30 biometrics, including real time calorie burn, fat and carb usage, breath volume, VO2, anaerobic crossover, ketosis. CO2 production, O2 uptake, and respiratory rate. Big claims, not out yet, let's see. Fascinating though, it seems like it's new. It's a new thing that's coming in. 
Let's see. And number nine, the final one, is a pretty cool one. It's got nothing to do with direct cycling performance, but it's called Connected Papers, and it allows you to connect any scientific papers in a visual graph. It's hard to explain it, but it makes perfect sense when you see it. So you search a topic, it will give you the papers, and then just show you in a beautiful graph that you can get a visual overview of any new academic field. You see directly how they are connected. You can make sure that you haven't missed any important papers. And the thing that I like about it is that you discover the most relevant prior and derivative works because they all connect together so nicely. I highly recommend it if you are researching any topics. And with that, Ride Better, Faster is written, hosted, and scored by me, Damien Roos. Until next time, ride well.